the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our in-studio guest today, Pastor Don Sheely, host of Daybreak, heard weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. here on KFAX, and Ronnie Habor. Together, they're co-authors of an exciting new book called Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. Ronnie, I'm curious. We certainly see examples throughout the entirety of New Testament teaching, certainly in the book of Acts, as a snapshot of what God was doing in the first century church. Miracles were quite commonplace. We don't hear about miracles as often in the West anymore, but quite often we do hear from missionaries like yourself that come back with amazing miracles of how God is doing things very reminiscent of the first century church to this very day. Help us understand more about this difference between how God works in the West versus so often the rest of the world. See, today I think we we don't people saying to me, you know, why does God do miracles there and not here anymore in the West? You know, and I said, well, He does, but we don't expect it anymore here. Nobody expects it anymore. Very few expect it here today. You know, we pray and we hope that God hears our prayers and answers them. But really, I mean. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm here. If you look here in the West, I mean, there are some the, the, um, the enemy is working very hard here as well. And but I believe there's there still is a distinction between between where where um, uh, the West has been living or riding on the blessings of our forefathers, you know. And I think that you know the hand of God is and the blessings of the Lord are on our country, even though there's lots of places where. There are people that need to be delivered as well, for sure, here in this country as well, in Australia and in Europe. But um, you can see the hand of God in this place in a much different way than there are in those sort of places. And those sort of places, they haven't had a a history of uh, Christianity. And so the enemy's had uh, his control over the people there for all that time. And he's not going to just let anybody just barge in there and let, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, rescue people from, from his grip. So he'll he'll throw whatever he can in order to be able to to get rid of you over there. That's why you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know that that you have uh, God's authority and power, His authority and power over the enemy. And so, otherwise, you should not go to places like that. I've been in places there that when you, you walk into a region and just, just like Pastor Shirley said, you know, you just sense a blanket of evilness over you. We start. We tried to plant churches in certain areas for years and years, and could never ever get a breakthrough there because this incredible presence of evil was just constantly there. I remember one day sleeping in this uh, hut and uh, uh, under a mosquito net, and um, at night I just woke up in a fright because somebody was choking me with their hand. A hand gripped on my on my throat and choking me, and I woke up in a fright and I couldn't breathe. And uh, uh, there was nobody there, but there was this, like, this hand on my throat. And I yelled out, uh, uh, eventually, I tried to yell, I couldn't, but then eventually I yelled at Jesus. And as soon as I said Jesus, the grip let go, and I just knew, man, this is real stuff here. And, uh, uh, but eventually, after years in that place, in that one particular place where I was, uh, we tried to plant a church for years. It could never, 
God brought this young fellow to us, and uh, as a result of this young fellow getting saved, getting healed and saved in the power of God, and uh, he was able with me to go back to his village and speak to his tribe, and uh, the whole tribe, uh, virtually the whole tribe got saved as a result of him. And if you go back there now, there is this open heaven there, like this blanket of evilness is completely gone, and this this openness there, and uh, uh, even his brother, who was such a, uh, um, a figure in the occult there, he's now the pastor of the church there. So, such an incredible change as a result of God coming in there and uh, ministering there to the people and setting them free. Well, you don't just serve in the mission field. This is really a battlefield, isn't it? Oh, absolutely a battlefield, yes. And you but we're, we're, let's face it, I mean, the battlefield is everywhere. Everywhere, right? Absolutely. Uh, not just there, but it, but it's a picture of the microcosm of the of the depth of the battle, of what is at stake here, what Christ died for, and the fact that the enemy is not pleased with turning us over easily. Mm. Uh, that there is a cost that has to be counted. That I think, unfortunately, few Western Christians are really willing to count as you did, as you talked about. What do I have to potentially give up here in making this decision to move my family to the jungles of Borneo to, to engage in this work down there? And yet, having the perspective to understand that this is all about God's work and what he is doing so that that promise that his word would not go out and return to him void but literally reach the uttermost parts of the earth, that someday every nation, tribe, and tongue would bow and recognize Jesus as yeah. Lord and Savior. I mean, no. You know, one of the thrilling things, Craig, is when you visit the uh, orphanage there, you see these 500 children and worship. You can't help but weep to know that they came out of homes that were, uh, maybe their own father was a, a witch doctor. Mm-hmm. But to see they come to an environment where Christ's love is expressed and his word is taught, and to see the joy of Jesus on their little faces, it, it just it's an amazing experience. And to to see the work of God take place in the lives of these little ones. And not only, Pastor Shealy, transformative in the terms of the lives of these children, many of whom are orphans coming out of bad circumstances, as Pastor mentioned, but haven't you seen, uh, Ronnie, God give you some tremendous grace and favor throughout that region and dealing with the authorities and, and your neighbors and so forth? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I always say, there's, there's a group of people that hate you no matter what, you know, whatever you do, but there's uh, definitely uh, a lot of people that respect you highly because of what you're doing, and they see now themselves. In the beginning, they were used to be a little bit suspicious, you know, why are you here? Are you coming must to get, be an agenda. Yeah, you, are you coming to rob us from our gold and our, our wood and stuff like that? But um, now that they see that so many kids are coming from that nobody wants and that we want them and, and that... You know, they come with a lot of baggage to our place, and uh, and then to see them set free and to enjoy life and to be, smile again and to and to be able to play like a kid is allowed to, should play and uh, not be burdened with uh, uh, what they had to put up with. I just recently had in one of our services there. You know, um, I just felt that the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, um, just ask the kids. You know, who who who? I said to all the children, I said, who of you? have a father or a mother who is or was a witch doctor in the tribe and a number of kids put up their hands I said you know why don't you come forward I said oh, we really want to pray for you so just go and stand over there and then I said and who has a um, grandmother or grandfather who was a witch doctor 
or uh, are still witch doctors today. And so a lot of kids put up their hands and I said, come over forward and said, we're going to pray for you. And then out of them, I said, which one of you uh, was to be the next witch doctor uh, to be passed on from your father, grandfather, and to father and to you? And a number of kids put up their hands. And I realized then, my goodness, you know, God has brought these kids from witch doctors to our place of all places so that they can be set free so that this curse can be broken over their lives, so they no longer have to be part of this demonic ritual, so that they can enjoy a life set free from all that, and uh, that they can enjoy a life and be used by God. God's got a wonderful plan and purpose for them. One of the girls came up to me, she said, Dad, she goes, I don't think Jesus can save me. I said, why do you say that? She goes, because I've already been promised to the spirit world by the witch doctor when I was little. She said, I was already... Uh, sacrificed, uh, in, in, in other words, to this uh, witch doctor. I said, oh, no. I said, no, 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 no. I said, Jesus brought you here for the very reason to set you free from this. I said, you are a child of the Most High God, and uh, God wants to set you free from this. So we prayed for her, and we uh, asked the Lord to break this curse over her life, and she just started to cry, and I, we just knew she was set free. She had a smile from ear to ear, and she just glorified God that she was now uh, a child, a, a new creation and a child of God and, and that she knew that God had a plan and a purpose for her life. Another young fellow came up to me and goes, Dad, he said, you know, my father is a witch doctor and uh, and he said, uh, when, uh, years ago in the village, he said, um, somebody walked into our village, a guy, and, the, and my father said, he's an enemy. And so he killed him in full view of everybody, killed him there and uh, then... Uh, brought the man in the middle of the village, put him in a barrel of water, stuck a fire under it, and in full view of everybody, everybody had to come out and watch and view this. Even the two-year-olds, the four-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, everybody had to view this man being boiled there in the middle of the village. And then he said, now, once the man was boiled, he said, and now you eat some of his meat. And uh, so everybody had to participate. They call that... Uh, they believe it's a real demonic ritual. You, if you eat a bit of the meat of the, your enemy and drink some of their blood, that you then become supernaturally stronger than your enemy. They call that sakti. So here, everybody had to participate in eating some of this man. And then I thought, my goodness, you know, some of these kids, you would never, ever, ever would expect, you know, when you look at them, because they look so... Uh, so good on the outside and so handsome and so beautiful on the outside and so so um, angelic innocent you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and yet they've been through so many things and you think oh god you know I am so grateful that you called us to go to this place so many years ago to prepare a place here so these kids could be coming to this place so they can be set free from all this stuff you know I am just so excited and and that's why you know we often my wife and I often say you know, it, God didn't just bring us here. God br- brought the body of Christ here. You know, and that's why I'm so blessed that we w- that we met up with uh, Pastor Sheely and and with uh, Pastor Tony. And uh, through that, you know, they came to our place and and they've been this ministry that we have there as much theirs as it is ours. And and other people from around the world. And we're so blessed to get so many volunteers come from around the world to help us for a couple of weeks, a couple of months each year. And just so awesome to see that. But to see you know, it's so rewarding to see all these young people, these kids, young people set free 
and now they're on fire for God. They just love the Lord their God and they go out to their own tribes now with this gospel message of salvation and they share it with their uh, grandparents and with their parents or their uncles or aunts or cousins or whatever. We just had a couple of girls come back again and they were the ones that uh, said they had wonderful opportunities to be able to share this with their grandparents, you know, who were just absolutely dumbfounded at this is God that they were talking about. And uh, years ago, I said to uh, church here the other day, said a couple of years ago, we had the girls go home for um, uh, their um, school break, and uh, they still had a mother or a father. And uh, when they came back, um, uh, two weeks later, they brought the tribal chief with them. And from a distance, I could see them coming, and I thought, the tribal chief didn't look like a very happy man. And uh, he approached me, and I thought, oh, my goodness, he doesn't look happy. He walked right up to my face, and he said to me, what have you done with my girls? And I said, what? I, what are you talking Did something happen on the way to the village or something? You know, because I didn't know what he was talking about. And he says, no, he said, nothing happened on the way. He said, but I think this is something to do with your God. I said, ah, yes, because I told my girls, you're going home now, but make sure you don't go and fit into the rituals, go back into the rituals that they're doing. I said, but you stand firm on the word of God and that you ask God for opportunities to be able to share the gospel message. And, he, and then the tribal chief said to me, he said, you know, I, he said, uh, would you mind, please, he said, bring somebody back with me mm-hmm. to my village and share this, what you, what you told my girls, to share it with the rest of the people. He said, because I want all my people to be like them. And I thought, whoa, that was just so awesome to hear that, you know, that our girls had the guts, the courage to witness to these people. And these people, they knew these girls but they saw that there was such an incredible change in these girls now. They weren't the same anymore as when they left that village to go to, to our place. They are now totally different. So That multi-generational fruit yeah. has the capacity to literally transform that entire region, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. And you're seeing a lot of and this we're too, aren't that. you? We've got kids now, some of our boys are now in government positions. Some of our boys are in companies now. And uh, some companies want... Are young people from our place because they know they're honest, they're loyal, hard workers, you know, and, and that you can trust in them. If you've just tuned in, our conversation today with Ronnie Habor and Pastor Don Sheely. Pastor Don, of course, a familiar voice here on KFAX. He's the speaker on Daybreak, heard weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. Together, they're authors of this exciting new book, Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. We'll take a brief time out, and when we come back, a look at the amazing way in which the Church of the West is integrating in a challenging and dynamic way with the Church in the East. That and much more as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today experiencing the Miracle Zone in the jungles of Borneo. Welcome back to Lifeline. That, by the way, is coincidentally the title of a new book co-authored by my guest today, Ronnie Habor and Pastor Don Sheely from Church of the Highlands. Of course, you know Pastor Don from his daily broadcast, Daybreak, heard weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. Pastor Sheely, let me turn back to you. There is a manner in which your church here in the San Francisco Bay Area is actively engaging believers into literally going into the mission field in Borneo. Tell us a bit more about that. One of the exciting programs we're having at the church is we're taking over groups maybe once a year from our congregation and having them become involved. And in July, we have 22 of our young people plus some adults, 14 or 15 adults, 
And we sent over a uh, exploratory team a couple months ago so that we could find a project for these 22 kids. So Ronnie has set aside 10 acres on his in his area, and uh, they're presently digging the holes, and we're going to be planting an orchard, a, f- a fruit orchard, so that in a couple, three years, the children will be enjoying. But by sending our young people there, it is absolutely a life-changing experience. I was going to say, you know, so often people say, well, I'm going to go, we're going to go build um, homes in uh, Mexico because we want to do something for them. And we, when we come with this idea that we are going to minister to them, and while indeed that takes place, more often than not, the real ministry takes place as these people experience what God is doing there and then bring that back home to the Bay Area. Yeah, it's amazing. I think... And I have three wonderful boys that uh, God has given to us. And years ago, we used to send them to Mexico. And that experience of ministering in Mexico turned their hearts towards ministry. So I have the joy of having all three of my sons working with me. But our prayer is that when these young people go uh, in a couple of months, that we're going to see some life-changing experiences. And they'll come home and ignite our youth group with their love for Christ and and the experience of which they're going through. If it could only be made mandatory that as young people come to Jesus Christ and they get involved in in pure discipleship and they learn to love the Lord, read his word, uh, live out his word, share that love with others, and then be required to go on a trip overseas and watch God work and be a part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And the the change that happens when you come back, you're not the same person. And what we did as a church, we talked it over, it's quite a large sum, $3,000 to send one over to Borneo for two weeks. So what we did as a church, we put up the 2000 so that all the youth had to do was raise 1000 which was they were able to do. And so they have become, in a very real way, a part of the project. But the, we think it's a tremendous investment in the lives of young people as a church. I'm going to tell you, Pastor Don, at the end of the day, um, you you couldn't do better if you sent him to seminary for 10 years. That's right. Because what God will do in that experience. What's the, um, what's the long-term vision here? I know a lot of this type of work is day by day, but in terms of the burden in your heart, you've now developed this campus, the orphanage, the school. We're seeing multi-generational fruit as a result of, as we mentioned before, more than 500 kids are being ministered to on this multi-acre facility, literally in the middle of the the jungle there in Borneo. Um, as God continues to percolate a vision in your your mind's eye. Well, if we look at uh, the the area there, it's very um, there's still a huge remote area there that is untouched. And there are still lots of tribes that are completely without the gospel message and uh, where the world is, hasn't been yet. So um, our desire is eventually, you know, God, God said to us to sort of prepare a place for a 1,000 neglected kids and build schools for 2,000. Now we're halfway with having half of the kids there. So, um, but, uh, so our concentration is on that and reaching that goal first. In the meantime, of course, lots of kids are coming to the Lord and lots of kids are, are going out as well. And um, But our aim is to duplicate the word even further into the jungle because we're reaching uh, a sort of uh, an area uh, there, but there are still um, many uh, areas there to, to reach with the gospel message. So, um, But it's if we, if we work from where we are now, that would take us a month or so to get where we need to get. 
and uh, that would be just all uh, almost impossible. But we'd like to sort of set up another base there, deep in the jungle, and then release another whole group of people to be able to start there another work to the to those tribes that are there. They're more more primitive, they're more hostile. Uh, so we, again, we need to send out people who know who they are in Christ. It sounds like you're training up an army. Yeah, so to we'll go all, and do just that. All of our, all of our young people. You see, we um, we send a lot of them off to Bible colleges throughout the country. We also send them off to universities because um, our schools need teachers. All our teachers that we have now are all our homegrown kids that have been with us for years and years. And we send them off to university then, and then they come back and they help us with the next generation of kids coming in. So all our teachers, we've got 36 now teachers that are all our own. Uh, we also have um, another 34 in universities now scattered throughout the country. So uh, one has just finished his doctorate. Uh, he, he's a medical um, pr- practitioner now. Uh, he still has to do uh, pra- practical work in some of the Indonesian hospitals throughout the country until December, and then he'll be our own residential doctor in our clinic. And so that's where it starts all, that, that a lot of these kids are coming back now and uh, uh, they never believed that they could do this, you see. From the start that we arrived there 20 years ago, we always heard, even from the local people there, that they're too primitive, too stupid, too uneducated, too they can't achieve anything. They've been told that by all the other groups of around the country. And we always said, no, 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 you know, God has created us all equally. You know, we're all created in the image of God. So so if if you have the opportunity to be able to be educated, then... You know, you can just you can be the teacher as well and the doctor and whatever. So we've proven that now with them, and they know that now themselves. They see that now, so they're they're ministering to their the next generation coming through. And uh, it's a it's a very strange world. I mean, we have we have children there uh, of young people there who are 15, 16, have never been to school in their lives before when they come to our place. So we have to teach them how to read and write, and teach them how to go through primary school before they can go to secondary school, and all those sort of things. So, it's a it's a, a very different sort of ministry than you would have, uh, say, in a Christian school here in the West. I would suspect some of our listeners might be curious, uh, Ronnie, as we began our conversation this afternoon talking about sacrifices that your family made in the very get-go. One or two listeners might be thinking, well, I bet as soon as these kids got old enough, doing any work on the mission field was the farthest thing from their mind. Tell us a bit about where your family is at today. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> Our family, my, my two older kids from my first wife, they're both in Australia at the moment and they're married and so they're, they're, uh, they love the Lord but they're not in ministry, they're not, uh, they've got their own jobs and stuff like that. So um, then I've got two kids of my second wife, right, and uh, sh- uh, the oldest, Nathaniel, he's just been through Bible college in Australia. He went to finish off his two years high school there and then he uh, went to Bible college. He's getting married next month with a wonderful young girl. Now, uh, he's 21 and she's 21, so um, a great, great young couple, uh, so passionate for God, on fire for the Lord. They're very involved with youth, um, with uh, young people and uh, with the church there. Uh, I asked him recently, I said, do you ever think you'll come back to Borneo and, you know, carry on the work here? And he goes, Dad, if God wants it that way, he said, it'll happen. You know, so they're coming over for Christmas time and with his bride, and uh, so uh, they're going to really enjoy because he, he he was one years old when we went over there. So this is all he's known. Yeah, and so he misses he misses uh, everybody there. But then when he's at our place in Borneo, then he misses everybody back here in Australia. So they live a little bit in two worlds. A younger son, Joel, he he just left to go to Australia. Uh, why that is? Because he wasn't really coping very well with homeschooling. 
and uh, we, I did, my wife and I sort of were really struggling with him. He was missing out on a lot of things. He wasn't coping really that well. And uh, so we said to each other, you know, here we are giving education to 500 children, the best education that we can give them. They said we're neglecting our own. Mm. So I said, um, you know, we need to, this is not right. We need to do something about this. So we decided then as a family that he should go back to Australia and do his last years of uh, high school there, and then we'll see what happens there. But it meant that Kay would have to go with him. So Kay's now at the moment with him there in Australia. So that is a three-year commitment. And uh, so I'm in Borneo, she's in uh, Australia. And uh, again, you know, we were talk- just talking about, are you prepared to give up uh, your family? Well, I see this a little bit as I've, I'm giving up my family, you know. I mean, I, I would, I'm would i missing them like crazy and uh, we miss each other like crazy. But we just, we're, we, we are goal setters. And we know that we've given our lives to the Lord and whatever at whatever cost. Now, this is a cost that we pay, I know, but it's it's a goal that we've set. Three years... It's going to be finished in no time. And then uh, either Joel will go on to university or to higher education and Kay will come back to Borneo or whatever. Um, but we just see this as yeah, just one of those things. And God is there with us. So she comes twice a year to Borneo in the school holidays and I'll go over there in between when I'm on my travels to wherever and I might just pop in for a week or so. So uh, next month I'm going to see them again. I haven't seen them for four months now. So it'd be great to be with them and be at the wedding. So... Yeah, it's great. Well, congratulations on uh, the, the new addition to the family and the new book, Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. And as we mentioned at the get-go, um, you can get more information on the web, livingwatersvillage.com. That's livingwatersvillage.com. You've got photographs there. Folks can see yes. the entire uh, development. And as Pastor Sheely mentioned, 60-something buildings. It, it really is a miracle in the middle of that jungle yeah. there. And that's a great way to get educated about the ministry and, of course, uh, to lend support as well. And so if folks want to get more information, uh, maybe this is uh, something you pray about and say, you know, uh, we'd like to be a part of this and stand with um, uh, the ministry of Ronnie Habor and the family there at Living Waters Village. Uh, Pray for them, certainly. And then if the Lord puts the burden on your heart for economic support, uh, folks, I would imagine, can make a donation right through the website. They can. And they can come over as well and give us a hand if they want to. Well, that's right. In in fact, just like the team coming from Church of the Highlands. And, uh, you know, if you want to be planted into a good dynamic church, Church with solid Bible teaching and a real demonstrative passion for a Christian worldview that um, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts, I guess that would be San Bruno, um, Northern California, and all the way into uh, the jungles of Borneo. Uh, check out Church of the Highlands, the broadcast, of course, weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. You can get information on the web, churchofthehighlands.org. That's churchofthehighlands.org. And if listeners, Pastor Sheely, have a burden and say, you know what? This is exactly the kind of ministry I've been looking for. This is exactly the kind of thing that I'd I'd like to go and experience. Um, some of these trips uh, in the future are they open to folks coming and getting more information about? Yes, we open going? Up, we open up the trips, and uh, we'll probably have two trips next year. And uh, but the interesting thing about it, Craig, is we can send over carpenters, whatever it is, because they're building a city. So whatever's needed in the city. Ronnie needs it for the help. So if they want to help teach the children in the school, if they want whatever they want to do, they can use their their abilities there. And the reason why I like this project in in the years that uh, we have been involved in missions, oftentimes we can send them dollar bills and and but they don't 
to send over a church family to help is is really not uh, the, the most effective way. But here's a project where we can just say to the church, we're going to be taking another tour. Come and join us. And uh, we've already built our Highlands house there at the uh, orphanage. So we can, how many can we accommodate, Ronnie? Uh, about 50, I think, in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ronnie and I sat down a couple of years ago and, in a restaurant and we drew out the kind of house we wanted and made it much like a, a motel. And with the idea that because the parents sometimes that are living want to come see their children, so it gives them a place to stay. And we have churches from all over the world coming there to help, so it gives them uh, some uh, living quarters. And uh, I guess when we send our team a couple of months, our kids are going to yeah. be staying there in the Highlands house. Yeah. So if you want to get more information, uh, again, you can um, go to Ronnie Habor's website at livingwatersvillage.com. That's livingwatersvillage.com. You can also call Church of the Highlands in San Bruno if you'd like to find out more about the next opportunity to travel on a missions trip. You'll go with the intention of helping to change lives and come back a changed person. Yeah. Uh, on the web, churchofthehighlands.org, or you can call the church directly at area code 650-873-4095. That's 650 650- 8734095 Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo new book written and co-authored by Ronnie Haybor and Pastor Don Sheely from Church of the Highlands Ronnie great to see you again appreciate the visit yeah, thank Pastor you, Don Sheely always wonderful to have you drop God by God bless you Greg And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts As daunting as it is intimidating, home financing, and whether you're a first-time home buyer, investor, or simply looking to refi and save some money, having an experienced mortgage expert in your corner guiding you through the process can not only save you money in the long run, but save you lots of frustration as well. Joining me now is the president and founder of Purpose Funding, Andy Stike. Andy, great to have you on the program. Oh, thanks a lot. Glad to be here. Boy, your industry of any out there has gone through the most changes over the course of the last almost decade now, uh, since some of the craziness back in the uh, 2000s, the early 2000s with the fog up a mirror, you get alone days. And of course, I guess with this, not only a greater degree of stability, but also for investors or first-time home buyers, the, the process in some respects is much clearer today than it was back in the old days. Yeah, it's interesting to uh, during those times how a lot of folks decided to exit the business. It kind of cleared the way. Um, so it, it cleaned out the business quite a bit, and it left it more for the professionals, which is a good thing. There was a lot of regulation that was put into place uh, that required a lot more studying, a lot more understanding of what was happening in the industry. So I believe it's it's raised the bar quite a bit. Um, and, you know, the opportunities are certainly there if you can find the right person to do business with. Let's talk a bit about some of the opportunities in terms of uh, this incredible season that we've been through here. I, I don't think I know of any other period in uh, history where we've seen home loans as low as they have been for as long as they have been. And yet, remarkably, there are some folks out there that still have some of these old adjustable rate mortgages that go back quite a number of years or maybe they found for a season their home underwater, so they wanted to leave everything just exactly as it was. And certainly here in Northern California, real estate values have not only returned to the pre-2007-2008 values, but in some respects are even higher today than they were back then. 
Yeah, it's very true. Uh, it's one of the biggest opportunities. I think everyone was affected by what happened in 2007, 2008, not just uh, the home values, but they were affected um, income-wise and credit-wise. So it's taken some time for people to repair their credit, get back to a place where they could qualify for a loan or qualify for the best loan. So we see a lot of that as well as we're seeing people that their house have been sitting and they haven't really had the equity or the finances to do normal repairs that they would or improvements. So now with the equity on the rise, um, there's opportunities for people to uh, get rid of some of their high debt credit cards, do some of those home improvements that they've been putting off for all this time, and, and doing just some of the regular maintenance that they would do regularly uh, if they wouldn't have been impacted by that by the recession. So here's an opportunity to maybe do some refinancing, take a little bit of money out to address those uh, deferred repairs, things of that sort, as well as the opportunity to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. On average, we're seeing uh, around $750 per client, uh, savings-wise, per month, which is... It's it's wild to even say it. It's such a big number, but people will buy a car, and they'll they'll run up some credit card debt over the holidays or for different reasons. They have a child that's going into college. There'll be unforeseen expenses and some that they know are coming, but the way that their debt is positioned and the way that the loans are amortized by putting it into a 30-year fix or into their mortgage, they can save huge amounts of money on that debt. And that's one of the things that we do right away is we we want to do a review of your finances and see is there a better way to position this to save you money. And certainly that kind of consolidation, as you suggest, not only makes it a lot easier for the consumer, but at the end of the day, who wants to pay your credit card company uh, 17, 18, 25% <laughs> in, in interest rates every year when you can make all of those payments go away, roll it into a refi, save some money in your monthly mortgage payments, and as you suggest, perhaps take a little money out to deal with things like a child's education or dealing with some of those repairs. One of the other things that you offer, in addition to conventional finance and refi, is also helping provide funding for investors. And certainly now, if this is ever a so-called renter's market, this is it. Very attractive time right now. Now, for people that are looking to get into investment property, even as large as uh, multi-dwelling units, might be perhaps a small apartment building with up to four units or maybe a duplex. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that going on right now as people are trying to uh, pull money from the market, the, the Dow being at you know, highest numbers it's ever been at. So they're thinking of diversifying and maybe changing their portfolio up a little bit and getting a piece of property to put in there, an additional piece of property. And also this, the regular investor who buys and, and flips homes or, or you know, fixes them up and puts them back on the market or keeps them as rentals. All those opportunities we're starting to see with the new administration in place that loan guidelines are starting to loosen up a little bit. We went through a period of almost 10 years where it's very difficult to get a loan, especially for investors. And, you know, in Northern California, we need loans in the jumbo range, which is anything over 625000 
so though as those loans start coming back in the market, it just creates a lot more opportunity for people that you've just spoken about. And of course, you're able to do funding throughout the entire state. So if folks say, gee, maybe um, an investment property in the Bay Area might be a little bit pricey, but there are other markets that are beginning to uh, enjoy a resurgence in values. And so you can essentially help folks anywhere in the state, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we cover all of California, and uh, we are just reaching out into other states selectively right now. Let's talk about issues, too, when it comes to folks reaching retirement age. Um, It's not uncommon for people to um, get to retirement and say, my goodness, uh, we've got some money in the bank and a 401k. Uh, We're we're secure financially in a lot of respects, but we'd like to have a little bit more cash to do something special, be it that big world cruise, or maybe you want to make sure that there's um, a lot of cash that you can leave as a financial legacy to your children. And you look at the house you live in and say, this is an awful expensive collection of two by fours. <laughs> and maybe we should consider getting a little bit creative, not to necessarily sell the home per se, but to consider the financial benefits of a reverse mortgage. And while certainly, Andy, it's not for everyone, there is a certain group of people out there for whom a reverse mortgage can really provide a tremendous amount of financial freedom, can't it? Yeah, I know. I think it's, you know, it's. I waited a, a little while to get into reverse mortgages just because I heard all the information that everyone was saying. And, and my mom is of that age, and she talked to me about getting it. And my first response was, no, no, no. I looked further into it, and her situation is one that you just mentioned. So she has some money put away for retirement, but the implications of accessing that money tax-wise are ridiculous. So she doesn't want to tap into that money, so she struggles each month. And so it looked really closely at the reverse mortgage because if you borrow, if you do it that way and you borrow money on a loan, you obviously don't, there's no tax implications from that, not at the same degree anyways. So, you know, I it is for a very specific person, a specific scenario. We're not a company that's going to go, oh, you're 62 and you have some equity, let's do a reverse mortgage. No way. Um, we're going to look at it. We're going to prayerfully consider whether or not this is the right thing for you. And then we'll move forward with with people that, for the right person, it's a great avenue. In many respects, Andy, that's kind of the, the watchword of the way Purpose Funding does business. In other words, it's not one size, one loan fits all. You really take a look at the unique financial circumstances of every individual and try to come up with a loan that's going to be ideal for their circumstances all the way around, both in terms of income, tax considerations, the whole bit, don't you? A hundred percent. When I first got into this business, or when I first, when I actually first started Purpose Funding, it's interesting because someone was asking me what our mission statement was, and it all it all stems from that very first thought of if this was my loan, if this was my mom's loan, what would I do? Knowing what I know, what would I do? That's how I try to treat every customer. It's what I emphasize for the whole sales team. This is how we do business here. Because I think it's very important to approach this business that has a reputation 
in a certain way. And if we do it that way, we're, we're going to be fine through no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens in any environment. And it's served true for me in my, my whole career. And, and certainly, as I suggested in my opening remarks, um, anybody who has been through it before or knows someone who has knows that the whole process can be daunting and intimidating. And so having an expert on your side that will walk you through the process and most importantly, make sure that it's the right fit, the right loan for you is critically important. It's all the difference that Purpose Funding makes. Get more information, by the way. You can go online to PurposeFunding.com. That's Purpose Funding. Funding.com. And I guess, Andy, for most folks, they can easily just pick up the phone and say, hey, here's what my loan is today. This is the amount of interest I'm paying. This is how much is, is owed. And maybe in just a couple of minutes on the phone, you can give a lot of folks guidance as to whether or not it makes sense for them to consider a refi. You know, it's interesting. I would always encourage people to call because that's going to be the, the quickest way to get answers. Um, you know, I've had many people... When I tell them, you know what, it's not a good idea for you to do a refinance, they're a little bit shocked because I don't. I, I think everyone that they've spoken to has tried to talk them into doing a loan. And if it's just not right, I think the important thing is to know that, find out what are the steps I need to do to get to where it would be right. Um, does it make sense for me to do this or do that? I think that guidance and just talking to somebody that has experience and can lay out the different options for you and then encourage you in what options they feel is the best, I think it's, it's super important. And to get more information, you can call toll-free 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. And uh, we encourage you to give a call, whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time, maybe enter into some investment property, or simply refinance, save some money, take a little bit of money out, pay down some bills, and maybe take care of some of those deferred maintenance issues on the house. Andy Stike at Purpose Funding is there to help. You again toll free at 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. You can also find them on the web at purposefunding.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.